You are now listening to the All Right Talk Show with me, your host, Shane Trainer. Get insider knowledge as we explore the world of business, travel, property, investing, healthy mindsets, and everything in between. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yes, we are back on the Oric Talk Show and joining me this week is Alan from Peel Homes. Alan is all about financial freedom through the vehicle that is property, particularly using the single let's model. Alan, thanks for coming on the show. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you, Shane. Thank you very much for inviting me along. uh, Yeah, you are popping my podcast stroke being interviewed on YouTube, Cherry. Really? You are, yeah. Oh, excellent. Oh, I'm glad. uh, One of my my rules for this year was to put myself out there a bit more and... uh, try and put a face to the brand if you like and uh, yeah when you when you asked me along I thought I'd jump at the chance for that one. Brilliant so what would you have said if I asked you last year would it be a, a think about it? <laughs> yeah I think I would have had that imposter syndrome that uh, yeah. oh I can't believe it must be a mistake that he's asking me to have a chat with him so I probably would have put it off put it off put it off. Uh, no well you know what it's, it's great great to have you on and I've seen that you've been doing bits and you know I'm I'm here to to have you on so you can uh, tell everyone what you do and get yourself out there a bit more i think yeah thank you yeah, yeah awesome so yeah um tell us a bit about yourself and your background in retail now for in food retail just general income i was looking at kind of where the markets were going i was looking at the um looking at the potential for redundancies and thinking oh do you know what i just don't want to be in the lap of the gods with uh, with just a day job and that's when i started to just look at personal finance and just get a bit more clued up on it which led me to I suppose like most people a journey down the rabbit hole of the uh the internet guru get rich quick schemes and all of the flashing lights and trying to work out what was true and what was not but uh, quickly kind of honed into the fact that property was was what was genuinely exciting me looked like it was the most uh realistic avenue to be going down and I'd enjoyed doing like our own stuff on, our, on my wife and I's own house and, and kind of seeing that grow and, and grow in value as well as in style. And so, yeah, when I was about, I don't know, just after my 30th birthday, started knuckling down to try and work out how the bloody hell we're going to afford to start a property business. Mm. Um, so I, I had a bit of a, uh, a stint with rent to rent. So I, I decided that uh, the lower capital approach, because we didn't have the, the cash to put into buying our own places and the promises I suppose of higher monthly net returns and being able to escape your day job was a good idea so I I set up a rent to rent business initially did that for a year absolutely hated it uh, and wound that down uh, before I scaled it which was I think fortunate from from my point of view especially having seen what's happened with Covid and some of the challenges there for for guys that are offering the guaranteed rent Uh, needed to I suppose relook once that was done and work out how are we going to properly own properties of our own and then scale the portfolio and uh, that was when I decided that I needed to start looking for other people's money, if you like. And I looked very close to home and spoke to my my mum, who had a, a single letter of her own, and basically said, "Look, I've I've got some experience now with property over the last year doing HMOs. Don't enjoy that, but how do you fancy going into business as partner in uh, in single lets?" She gave it some some thought and came back and said, "Yeah, I'm happy to be involved, but I want to be more than just a silent partner. Do you fancy doing it as a business?" And uh, that was 2019. So yeah, a, a year and a bit later, we're just 
well, we're three quarters of the way through finishing our second uh, project. And uh, we're looking to, well, we should be buying another two this year. And then the plan is that we want to double the portfolio every year for the next four years. Um, so that kind of stepped business model, which will give us time in the market, allows us to build our relationships, our power teams, and gets to the point where, for, for me particularly, it's uh, that financial freedom element that allows me to leave corporate world and go full-time into property. Um, it allows mum the opportunity to basically retire and do whatever she wants. Mm, and then yeah. we can do some juicier stuff with the business and, and get into, well, ideally we want to get into some kind of developments, probably some commercial to resi stuff. Um, but we wanted a, fi- a firm foundation behind us before we started to, to run before we could walk, if you like. Yeah. So that's that's where we are kind of in a nutshell. Yeah, awesome. And you've got um, you've got a plan, haven't you, in place? And did you, because uh, I've been following your socials, and you wrote that, was it in December, start of January time? You wrote like your five-year plan, is that right? Yeah, so we had a rough idea of um, where we wanted to go. We, we After our first property, we, we made some mistakes. We Like everyone does, you're learning from fresh, aren't you? And, and some of those have cost us some money. And we decided that rather than just keep burning money on projects potentially we would spend some uh, some of our cash on on getting a property mentor that had been there done that that we could learn from and, and not mm. shortcut but basically learn from their experiences and so before we'd uh, been working with with rob for a while we kind of had in our minds that we'd buy four a year every year and we'd do it lovely one a quarter so every three months a deal would fall into place and then we'd finance it mm. and it it became very evident that you're that's just not the reality is it's never going to fall as neatly as you need it to. Um, so we reconfigured that. And to get to the, the same end goal over the next five years, we've taken this, this tiered approach, which um, feels much more uh, accomplishable. So, yeah, they're starting with one last year, then buying two this year, buying four the year after, eight the year after that, 16 the year after that. Um, that will take us to the point whereby, as I say, we've, we've got the financial freedom element. And we know that we'll need to evolve the strategy slightly. So uh, last year we brought on board our first investor. Uh, so we'll recycle hopefully the funds out for, for getting them on board again for this time around once the refinance has been done. We know we want to be working with more investors to grow the portfolio in line with the business plan because we haven't got enough of our own cash to do that. And when we start to get to the bigger numbers, so we sh- next year should be doable quite comfortably, uh, just bring on a couple more investors. The year after that, we know we're going to need to add in some flips to raise some extra capital as well, mm. even if those flips are just used to pay investor interest effectively. Um, yeah. And we, we, uh, so we started off buying, house, uh, buying houses. We thought that terrace houses was the way to go. And we decided uh, that actually we would look at flats instead because we can get a greater return on our uh, investment from an invest from the capital put in point of view, we can make our money go further on on less, and we can get almost the same returns. Um, it just allows our money to go further, but it also means that further down the line, when we're looking at buying four, eight, 12, sixteen units, smaller blocks of flats will probably fulfil that that role. Um, so rather than trying to buy four terrace houses in a year, we'll just buy one or two small blocks of flats and in our investment area there's, there's plenty of that kind of stuff which was one of the reasons why we chose that yeah nice and so you'll be doing that then so as you said uh doing like you know doubling every year so you'll be doing that is that with purely 
investor funds or is that a bit of both of like refinancing like the cash you pull out plus investor funds to help build your portfolio is it yeah so um we we use the buy refurbish refinance model mm-hmm. um so the idea being that you buy at the best possible price obviously taking into account the kind of product that you're buying so we tend to buy the shitty stuff because that's where the most value is that you can add um yeah the refurb and getting the balance right between the quality of refurb that you do because we want to hold it for the long term as well it's sometimes some of the money that you might put in up front is a bit higher than if you were just flipping it on uh, because you want it to last you don't want to be trying to sort stuff out whilst the tenants are in there and then yeah typically trying to refinance at the six month mark or we are possibly going to see if we can do it a bit earlier Uh, we were led to believe that you needed to most mortgage companies would want you to have owned the property for six months before you could refinance Um, but actually having spoken to to a couple of brokers now there are some lenders that would allow us to do it a bit earlier and that would be ideal that's right i um yeah i got the that was a burning question when me and my business partner what we know when we were like well how are we going to do this because six months is a long time and that effectively can it can slow your progress down massively and uh so i spoke to someone who was doing the brr model that was uh, uh she's called her name is natasha friend have you heard of her at all no not um, so yeah she's got her own facebook group and um she does the brr model and she's very successful at it actually she's got quite a large portfolio now but i reached out to her and asked she manages to do it quite quickly her turnaround and I said well how are you doing this do you have like a specialist mortgage broker to go to and she gave me the details of her mortgage broker and I spoke to him and he's like yeah we 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 do creative methods we kind of like um we work uh, with quite a lot of investors and we have lenders that um specializing and in quick turnarounds or obviously not as long as six months but not you know not as like a month like a bit longer than that but ideally way quicker than six months yeah and typically i mean if you depending on the scale of the refurb so the one that we've got going through at the moment we completed on that on the 4th of december uh the guys the the build team started in there the first week of january if you think that normally you wouldn't have that dead time because of christmas Mm. uh currently carpets and flooring which is generally the end thing that you put in uh planned in for the 5th of feb so if everything carries on going to schedule we'll have that done and dusted in the space of two and a half months from like as in done and rented by within two and a half months of completion. So if we can then start the refinance at three, four months in rather than that six month mark, then uh, yeah, when you're doing that at scale to gain three months every time is uh, is a big benefit. Oh, God, um, but we nice. haven't done it yet. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes once we find uh, find the right product. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, well, I wish you the best, the best of luck in uh, in doing that. And I'm sure because you know you you do post about your project. Um, every now and again and uh yeah it seems to be going pretty well so far would you would you agree or has there been any um any difficulties with this project did the builders yeah, start late i believe um so they started a little bit late but mainly because of um mainly because of christmas to be honest mm. so uh yeah christmas and new year obviously getting in the way uh not not their fault actually so yeah one um, and to be fair to them they've they've absolutely thrown people at it over the last two weeks so progress has been great we've uh well, again one of our things that we wanted to be better at this year was posting the updates on social media because I find it quite difficult to put the time aside to type everything out and make it look pretty yeah um, 
So uh, yeah, we've been, we've probably, I've worked out if we can do it a week in arrears, that gives me enough time to take photos one week. And then over the next seven days, I can type it up and get it out. And no one on Instaland knows that it's a week behind. It's only me that does. <laughs> well, my listeners know now, they know the secret. That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, so generally everything you're now going to see on Instagram will be a week behind the real life progress, but it just gives, yeah. gives me some, some breathing space. You know what though, Alan, you know, the, at least you're putting it out there to show people what you're doing, to show potential investors what you're doing and the fact that you are getting out there. And you know what? I always say as much as like it's kind of nice for things to look pretty, I think as long as you're getting content, content out there no matter what, that's, that's, that's the value. The value is in what you're putting out. Yeah. I think one of the things for us though is we wanted to make sure that what we were putting out there was genuinely what we were doing because it's easy to fill isn't it you can fill it with pictures of other people's stuff that you badge up as inspiration yeah it's easy to fill it with loads of quotes which is what we probably did when we first started but actually we wanted it to be a genuine showcase of what we were doing we wanted it to be an honest appraisal as well of actually this is the stuff we're seeing these are the issues and we're going to do some stuff like um uh, get the look so at, at the end of it we'll, we'll take some photos and we'll share like the um, paint that we've used the colors that we've used where we've sourced it from just to try and help people out. And also, I mean, you know, from Instagram, you get some great feedback, don't you? So someone will say, oh, you've been using that paint, but you can probably use this one, which will be cheaper, better, harder wearing from this supplier. So it works both ways. Yeah, it does. Exactly. And that's uh, that's absolutely spot on. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So working with investors then, have you had any investors on board with this uh, second buy to let then? Yeah. So we brought on board our first investor uh, for this one. So the first house that we bought, we bought with our own own cash. Um, and then we were planning on doing the same with this, this flat that we've got now. But we had some, some issues with lending. So everything took absolutely ages. And then a lot, literally six months to, for the lender, uh, at which point, at the first and second point, were telling us it was all great. And then at the final hurdle told us that they weren't going to lend for a variety of reasons that they knew up front. Um, and by this point, because of COVID, the purchase had been going on for six months already so we were keen not to lose it mm. uh, so it was a bit of uh, baptism of fire really we had to find some cash so we could buy the whole uh, whole flat cash entirely um, so this was a family member we've been talking to them for a little while about what we've been doing but had never explicitly asked whether or not they'd be interested um, and then exactly as the books youtube videos and podcasts say you've just got to talk to people and ask the question and we were fortunate on this case that, yeah, the, the family member was happy to, to lend to us. Um, it, they get a good return on their money. So uh, they're getting 8% over the course of the 12 months. It allowed us to buy the, uh, the flat cash. And so we were able to continue with the, um, with the purchase. So we're hopeful that by the time we finish this one and get, get them their interest back and their cash back, that they'll like it enough that they'll want to throw that money back in again. Yeah. Uh, and then this year, to, to be able to carry on, we want to raise uh, £100,000 in total over the next 12 months. So we, we need to basically just be asking, talking to people. And if I'm absolutely honest, that's the bit that I find quite difficult. It's not in my normal skill set. Um, so that, that's a real stretch. And I'm hoping that by doing this kind of thing, and I say updating Instagram and, and just putting a face to a brand, it helps bridge some of that faceless or oh, it's just pill homes with a nice logo and some fancy pictures whereas actually the people behind the brand are alan and penny and alan family yeah i totally agree and he, i i said this to so many people investors mainly buy obviously you've got to have the deal there the numbers have to stack but i'd say a large percentage of that relationship is, is built on the likability factor of yourself 
and yeah. and and what you're doing so yeah like a face to the business definitely helps and just just getting out there really and like going on things like uh, this talk show and doing your instagram and yeah like when when i've got enough capital where i would like to invest with other people and kind of give back to the property community if you will i will be investing in the person as well yeah yeah agreed and I think what's interesting, though, is uh, so you kind of put the investor finance on a bit of a pedestal, don't you, as a, as a newbie uh, to property. And you think, oh, bloody hell, this feels like an absolute marathon to get there. And people are flashing up that they're raising hundreds of thousands of pounds every month. And I don't know whether it'll be the same for other people that you talk to, but we raised this money and it landed in the bank account. And you're half expecting fireworks and like dancing <laughs> girls and this amazing. And it's like, oh, oh OK, it's there. Great. Um, well, we'd better crack on then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. a bit anticlimactic, if I'm honest. But, uh, yeah, after all, I think you work it up in your own head, and uh, and and that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome, and I, yeah, I'm glad that you've got it. And they always say as well. Uh, I don't know who they are, but as you said, books and whatever. Start with family first, and then work into your net your network and all that sort of stuff. But it's good that you've started with your family and you've achieved uh, getting investor finance from a family member, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, to be honest, the other thing as well, we don't want to, we didn't want to go straight out to a cold market, if you like, when we're not unproven, but equally, we haven't got a huge track record. And we are still making some mistakes and we're learning as we're going. Now, we've got an awful lot of processes in place and we're doing some some really tight calculations. But I don't want to be speaking to, um, I don't know, a family office somewhere who suddenly promises me a million pounds. I know they wouldn't because of the due diligence, but uh, yeah. and then have that added pressure that shit, we've got to get this like one hundred and ten percent right now because this is there's a lot riding on it. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely. It's, uh, it's definitely a definitely a learning a learning point, a learning journey moving forwards. Yeah, definitely, and uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you'll do well anyway. You know, you seem uh, got your head screwed on. You've worked your numbers out, and yeah, and you've. Yeah, your family member wouldn't have invested in you if they didn't think it would work, would they? No. So yeah, exactly. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I wanted to ask about about the flat. Then is it because uh, majority of flats in the UK, I believe, there's a large percentage that are leasehold. Is this a leasehold flat then? Yeah, this is a leasehold. Um, so we've got some some relatively strict criteria when we're buying the flat. So we won't buy in a massive block. Uh, and actually, what's come out recently because of the um, cladding issues is that some of the big blocks with cladding on the outside because of Grenfell uh, are now either unmortgageable or they're costing the leaseholders some serious money. I saw something the other day that there was a, a block of flats, I think it's in London, where to redo the outside is costing uh, each of the individual leaseholders something like £30,000 and they don't have any choice to stump, but to sum that up. Oh and God. it's right from a safety point of view, yeah, but absolutely. as an investor or a private buyer, it's just not we just couldn't afford to do that. Mm. Um, so really we are looking at uh, converted houses. So if you've got a big Victorian terrace house that's been split into two or three units, we like those kind of things. Um, or like Fratton Road is, which is the one we've got at the moment, that's just in a small block that would have been historically a shop, a lower shop with two uppers. Um, so there's only four flats in there. It doesn't come under the same remit as the bigger blocks. And then critically for us, it's got to have low service charges and low ground rent because uh, that otherwise will eat into your monthly cash flow like nobody's business. And then you're no better off. You might as well be buying your terrace houses um, or your detached or semi-detached properties. So, yeah, so low ground rent, low service charges, typically in a converted house. Um, share of freehold is ideal uh, because you 
don't have to have those service charges because you own part of the freehold. You just choose to spend on the maintenance of money when you want to. Um, and yeah, that's that's the kind of criteria that we look for. Yeah, that's good because um, I've looked into leaseholds in the past, and yeah, just to because some you can get some uh, leaseholds of uh, flats available like at a good price. But I think, I mean, I, I might be wrong here. I, I probably am, but like investors seem to stay away from leaseholds because they kind of want to own the freehold. Yeah. But they are a good. I, I feel like you, you almost go into an untapped market, if you will. There's only a select few investors. I mean, I you're the only person I, I I know from our community, if you will, that's that goes into freehold. I think I heard one of a person on a podcast once that they concentrate on freehold because uh, she said that not many people go after them. So because you've got to do a lot more due diligence, a lot more calculations go into it, you've got to see, because with freehold, let's say, for instance, I don't know, if whoever owned the, the whole ground, the roof needed replacing, is it, is it you? Um, that replaces that puts into replacing that, or is there a, a, a pot that's built up? Um, you know, so I'm guessing that's. Well, do do you know the answer to that one at all? Um, if there's a like a a maintenance pot that's built up through the ground rent in case. So of it, depends, big honestly, it depends on the terms of the um, on the lease. So some uh, some freeholders will have done it so that I don't know. Let's say they take a hundred pound a month service charge. And a percentage of that goes into like a slush fund. That's and if it, you, if you, um, yeah, if you then need a roof, then they just take the cash out. And if it needs any more, then you obviously have to contribute. Um, most that we've come across don't have that. And the service charges will just be flexed up and down depending on the amount of work. But again, one of the reasons that we like the leasehold flats, we'd love to own freehold blocks, as, as I say, kind of longer term. But if you've got, like the roof of Fratton Road. If, if the roof needs replacing, then there's floor, four flats that will contribute to that. If I've got my terraced house and the roof needs replacing, then I'm forking out the whole 10 grand for the re-roof single-handedly. So it swings around about, you don't own the entire thing, but at the same time, you're looking at 125, 100, 100 plus year leases. That's far gonna exceed my lifetime. And we want this to be a legacy business. So we want my son to be able to take this on if he wants to, uh, or just run in the background when he's uh, he's older and, and we've gone. But even so, it's not challenging to extend the leases for another 100 years, 150 plus years, especially if you do it in a timely manner. That's right, yeah. And uh, that's something, and yeah, you've just touched on another point as well with leasehold. You have to make sure that uh, there is enough, enough lease on it as well, right? Yeah, so anything less than 80 years, the lenders start to get, some lenders start to get a bit twitchy. Um, anything less than 60 years, you're, the reality is you're not going to be getting normal lending on it. There are a, a, a couple of specialist lenders, and we will look at short leasehold uh, flats because we've, we've got a, a good solicitor that understands them very well. Uh, and in the same way, so you would have, I'm sure, heard and seen from some of your other guests that most of uh, people in property are looking to add value in some way. And a really good way of adding value in some cases without even touching the interior is just to renew the lease. Because to renew a lease can be 15, 20, 25 grand. Um, if the vendor doesn't have that kind of cash available and the buyer's market is much reduced because they can't personally get lending as well, you can nip in, be buying it cash, getting them to do the, uh, the lease extension that you pay for. And all of a sudden, overnight, you've created X amount more, more equity in your property. Um, so we haven't done we haven't done one of those yet, but we are very aware that it's an opportunity. Uh, we make it really clear when we're talking to our agents that we will happily look at anything with a short lease, uh, 
And we've seen some stuff come up with like 45, 50 year leases. Wow. So it just shows how long it's been in the in the family, if you like that property. Yeah, wow. That, yeah. And you know what? You, uh, yeah, you touched on adding value when the lease is low and if you can extend that lease. And I've I seen a, uh, like a graph uh, and an article not so a couple of weeks back it was actually and it was like how much like depending on the years depends on how much um the lease will cost and then the next to that was how much value it will actually add and yeah it's the the margin's actually pretty good from what i saw mm-hmm. from the generalization of it yeah again we haven't had to do um we haven't seen or done one for a while so i'm not, i'm not um completely up to fresh with the uh, with the calculations but there's various calculators you can use it does depend on the freeholder. Mm. So some freeholders will choose the, the calculation that is the kind of the norm and whatever multiplier that is, uh, I can't remember. Other freeholders will literally leverage it right up. And, and you may well have seen there's quite a lot of conversation at the moment about legislation about freeholds and um, leaseholding and, and some reform to that because there are freeholders that frankly are taking the piss with it and charging 25 30 35 grand for what is effectively an administrative task um whereas others i know like if you and i owned a freehold and one of our leaseholders said do you want to extend it we'd probably because we're nice guys just do it on the standard calculation yeah. and it would be a third of the cost but it's a minefield it's a complete minefield so you definitely need to know what you're doing and i'd say you need a really good solicitor that understands leases because otherwise you could get yourself tied into something that's a real mess Agreed. Yeah, yeah. It definitely is a bit of a minefield. That's why I think again, going back to my point, like investors just don't really want to touch them. But it's good to see that you're, uh, yeah, plunging into that because you know, hopefully, in the next ten years, you'll be a leaseholder expert. Yeah, well, that's the plan, isn't it? I mean, you just you've got to carve out your niche in whatever uh, whatever your business is, and if there's an opportunity to make some cash, then we'll uh, we'll have a look and see what we can do. Absolutely. So speaking of cash, then. Let's talk numbers then. Let's go back to property number one. Uh, what was your purchase price, your refurb cost, if any, and uh, GDV? This podcast is sponsored by Paul McGee at ProSource Limited. Paul sources single-up properties in the Northwest for clients who want a more personalised approach. He deep dives into your property investment goals to help establish the best strategy for your individual needs and goes out to find properties that match. Using both on and off market techniques and an ethical approach, Paul ensures a win-win for both buyers and the sellers. So if you're looking to kickstart your investment journey into the Northwest, I urge you to contact Paul via his website www.prosourced.co.uk or through his Instagram at RealPaulMcGee and book a free call with him today. Yeah, fine. So um, the property number one, interestingly, and for those, for anybody that's listening to this that has done them has done property before, they'll be like, "That is an awful deal." <laughs> and the reality is, with this one, we could have just bought an off-the-shelf vanilla buy-to-let or a nice, nicely done house and got the same returns. But what this one did do, we kind of treated this as our education. So this had, we underrated the refurb by 20 grand, <laughs> which is a lot of cash. Wow. Um, in part because we had a surprise re-roof that we hadn't picked up in the in our viewings and the survey hadn't picked up. So purchase price was 155 grand. Uh, we budgeted 25k to refurb. We ended up spending almost 50. Uh, so stamp duty, because we buy a limited company, stamp duty, we had to pay the 3%. Um, second home stamp so that was just over five grand and we bought it on a mortgage this one so a 25 75% loan to value so 25% deposit 38 and a bit grand so total amount in was 95 and a half grand by the time we finished 
Um, we managed to refinance it dead on what we thought, which was 200K. So by the time we'd refinanced at 75% loan to value, we've left in just shy of 62 grand. So the measurement that we are now using moving forward is return on capital invested. Um, so we're not worried about yield. And the return on capital invested on that one is 8.5%. So it's, it's not an absolute stonker, but in grand scheme of investing your cash, there's 8.5% isn't bad to get every single year. Yeah. And that's a, that's a net figure. So that includes... Uh, so we, we have a managed portfolio. So we pay a management a managing agent for that. That includes um, all the insurances, uh, mortgage, the whole work. So that is net, 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 all the way down. Awesome. So what's what's that pulling a month then uh, um, net income for you guys? Uh, so about four hundred and forty pounds, four hundred and fifty pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've just yeah. so we we broke the rental ceiling in the in the postcode for the for the property. Excellent. So it rents for nine. Well, the previous tenant was renting it for nine hundred pound a month. Uh, we've just got our next set of tenants going in uh, at the end of this month, and they're up. They're going to nine fifteen, nine one five a month uh, for a two bed terrace. So it's pretty healthy. Amazing. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's awesome. See, so you broke the broke that ceiling. Yeah, um, yeah, spot on. And the yeah, you might have already mentioned that. What's the mortgage on it again, sorry? What, a month? Yeah. Uh, I wanted to say it's about 350 about a month. yeah. Is that interest yeah. only? Or... Yeah, interest only. Yeah. yeah. So the plan for us, we're we kind of what we term in the growth phase at the moment. So we are, over the next, the next five years of our growth phase, we know that we'll be leveraged higher than we want to be longer term. So that's 75, probably to 80% loan to value in some cases where the numbers need to work that way. And then once we've got to that point uh, over the five years and we've met our goals, then we'll start to look on paying down some of the uh, uh, some of the mortgages over a period of time and using further properties to pay down the portfolio. Yeah, I think that's pretty much um, what I would like to do in the future is, yeah, get um, interest-earning mortgages and then down the line when my properties uh, reach capital appreciation, uh, remortgage and pay off some of my older properties and I might leave my kids with some debt. Yes. <laughs> Good debt, though. Good debt, though. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so we, we invest down on the South Coast. So we invest in Portsmouth primarily at the moment. And um, we live in the, on the South Coast. It's about 45 minutes away from home. And one of the reasons we chose the area was because there is a good mix of rental demand and capital appreciation. So it works. It works well. And being a big city, there is loads of supply of property and there is loads of supply of tenants. Um, so to give you an idea, we had... 10 people look at uh, Carnarvon Road, which is the, the one we just talked about in the last uh, 10 days. And all 10 of them offered full asking price for the rental. Um, so we're not scratching around for tenants. And part of that is because the product quality is so high. I went back in there today, actually, to, to see what it was like a year on from being finished. And it's absolutely immaculate. So um, as a single let, it, it works well. Brilliant. But as a first one, we probably overspect it in some places, which was one of the learns for, the, for this next one round. Yeah, it's like, do you think you uh, might have gone in there and, and put stuff in for the quality you would have liked, or if that makes sense? Uh, yeah, so we, which um, meant you overspent? Uh, we didn't. We were we were aware that our standard of living wasn't what a rental needed, hmm. but equally, we didn't want to create a really poor quality product. And being first kind of first time round, we hadn't done things like really sweated the fact that we could get proper trade accounts and therefore you can get products at a reasonable discount. 
Um, and also, because I said, we because we knew that we wanted to keep this for the long term, we also didn't skimp on things like we probably could have allowed the boiler to run for another few years, waited till it broke down and then replaced it. Whereas we paid the few grand to have it replaced then and there. And we also added in the kind of new radiators and new heating system. We probably didn't need to do the latter part, which was yeah. some of the learns for, for this next one. Um, yeah. So yeah, doing what you think needs to be done versus doing the things that are going to add genuine value is is definitely an important learn. Yeah, and you touched on this just at the uh, the beginning of, the, of this topic as well, that your first one, although you know you probably wasn't the best deal on paper, the fact that it was like, well, it was not, it was you know deal number one, and you learned so much from it. So I think that's for anybody's first deal, whether you lose, well, obviously no one wants to lose, so let's hope everyone would do their correct calculations. But if you break even or make a profit, um, as long as you've learned loads along the way. I think that's the main thing going forward, isn't it? That you've come away learning more than, because that's experience is, is everything, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have quite literally a price for every single room, anything that could happen because with Carnarvon Road, it did. <laughs> and so we know quite literally from roof tiles down to damp work, what some things should cost. And therefore we've got a base price for it, which yeah. has really helped with the calculations for further projects. Um, so yeah, we we literally we treat that one as our uh, as our education, as if we'd spent twenty five grand on some sort of property education. Actually, we just went out into the field and tried and learned lots from it. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, that was your property education, and that's what I say yeah. to some people. Like, yeah, some people like courses are great, uh, but sometimes just diving in and making the mistakes and learning from them—that's your essentially the course, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just you know, speaking to people you know and learning that way and implementing it, you know, action. You know, you've got your knowledge and then action in that knowledge. Yeah, um, and fundamentally, it's now it's still paying us every month, and the the equity that we've got hasn't gone anywhere. The equity is still sat in it. It's just in bricks rather than in the cash that was in the bank. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, we 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 were quite happy with the way it worked out. Yeah, spot on. So numbers on the second one, then could you uh, disclose any of those? Yeah, that's fine. So obviously this is a work in progress. So some of these are, are guesses or bet, like calculated. Uh, purchase price on this one was 72 grand. So uh, this is a one bed ground floor garden flat. Uh, refurb is going to come in about 13 grand. Uh, there's 3% stamp duty. So 2,160. Legal is about 1,500 quid. So all in, we are going to be around the 37 grand mark. Uh, refinance we reckon we can conservatively come in at about 105k so if we refinance at 75 percent we'll leave in 12 grand and uh return on capital invested on this one will be just around 30 percent uh it might be a little higher that's based on 650 pound a month rental we might be able to squeeze it up to six seven five but we'll see 650 yeah. is comfortable so yes. we put in place all the learns from the first one as you can see we've tripled the return on, on investment on this one we're leaving much less money in and that's why we're more comfortable to be able to work with investors because we know we can pull the cash out we know what we're doing <laughs> yeah spot on and uh you know going into you know when you do your third deal as well I've, i think that that the uh the return on capital investment will probably be even higher actually would be even more experienced yeah yeah agreed yeah i mean we so what we're aiming for uh with our calculations is £250 net per calendar month is an absolute minimum, and that's got to be after all costs, and 40% return on capital, uh, which generally, 
the kind of properties that we're buying means that we're leaving or we would want to leave in less than five grand ish on a deal. It does mean that we've got to see a lot of stuff to find those deals because they don't come across come along every time. So Fratton Road is an example. We saw 70 properties to get that one. Wow. Um, we did a we were very, very keen to make sure that the agents knew who we were, knew what we were looking for. So within that 70, I'd say there was probably 30 that we didn't need to see, but it was just an opportunity to spend another half an hour with, a, with the same agent and build a relationship. So we know we can half that for next time round. But nonetheless, we probably still saw 40 that hit the criteria that we offered on that we didn't get before this one came through. Yeah, and it's a numbers game, isn't it? You know, with, uh, with viewing properties. I mean, I think... I'm sure there's someone um, I spoke to and you know, we're in the same accountability group, aren't we? And there was someone in there, might, I swear it was might have been, I can't remember who it was, but anyway, they the first property they ever went to view, they they bought it. Yeah. I can't remember who it was, but yeah, like, which is like, that's a unicorn right there. It's like, it the first, unicorn, yeah. <laughs> you know, just first property they viewed, it stacked up, they put in the offer. And then they got it. It's like, oh, yeah, when does that ever happen to any property investor? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, know, you definitely have to put in the legwork. And I think what, one of the things that people need to realise is that property isn't a get-rich-quick scheme by any stretch of the imagination. You've yeah. got to put in the legwork for the relationship building. You've got to put in the leg. I mean, of course, you can use sources and what have you, but it's going to cost you cash, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I suppose what I do see, though, is that over not a particularly long period of time, and we're talking two, three years, your relationships and the compounding impact of what you're doing definitely see the snowball effect. So you look at most investors and their life cycle, I think the first two or three years are fairly slow, um, probably slower than they'd want. And then years three, four, five, everything starts to kind of really ramp up because you can just leverage your network so well. And that's that's where we're hoping to get to. Absolutely. And it's so exciting, isn't it? And I know, I'll be honest, like, I've been quite down sometimes because like things are moving too slow, but I have to like, you know, slap myself in the face sometimes and pull myself out and go, Shane, like you're at the start of, of what you want to do. Give yourself three to five years and you'll be away if you keep doing yeah. what you're doing now. Yeah. Yeah. The delayed gratification is, I mean, it's a massive mindset, mindset shift. Yes. Um, and I think that's why I got caught out when we did the, when I did the rent to rent stuff initially, because it was kind of, lured in by the say by the promises of a lot of net cash flow a month with very little money in um and actually learning that you can be successful but people are of course but actually the slower burn the hair will the 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 hair will go off but the turtle will eventually catch up (laughs) and carry on with the stamina (laughs) yeah yeah definitely (laughs) um so let's talk about some of the uh the issues you've had on on some of your properties then like what have been you could talk about the, the your first property or your current issue have you had any like major setbacks then you mentioned the roof didn't you in your first property yeah so i think um uh the roof so yeah carnarvon road what we hadn't really considered was things like damp damp is the biggest so far has been the biggest additional cost that we've taken in any of the properties because you can, if you don't know what you're looking for, it's actually not that difficult for a vendor to cover up in the short term. And it's then only when you start digging around or taking something down or being there for a little while that it kind of rears its head. Um, And we also didn't realise quite how extensive it could get. Uh, So Portsmouth is a a naval coastal town. The properties there are hundreds of years old and generally everything is damp and it's from kind of rising damp primarily. 
so we ended up with rotten joists in Carnarvon Road. We ended up with having to tank walls because it had, uh, we got rising damp in pretty much every single room. Um, and when you're doing that across the terrace house, it was yeah, a few thousand pounds that we weren't considering. And then when you start taking some stuff apart and you realise that actually it's not like a new build where you take up, take down a nice stud plaster wall and you put a new one up, you start taking down some uh, old lime plaster and actually the, the lath falls off behind it and all of a sudden you've got quite a significant amount more work than just skimming a wall like you thought it was. Yeah. So the reality is if you know what you're looking for in your property types, you can accommodate the cost for all of that. And that's where you need a good build team that understands it and isn't going to try and bend you over and we were quite fortunate that the guys that we first found and worked with were good guys and, and worked to a really high standard um the re-roof was a complete oversight so we didn't um we didn't go in the loft which we now do <laughs> or certainly try and get into the roof space on any viewing that we think we're going to be serious on and we just didn't realize that the um yeah the whole undersarking needed replacing and at that point you've taken off all the roof tiles so you may as well replace it with new because again we wanted to keep it for the longer term um you've then got scaffolding costs etc etc and all of a sudden these bills just keep kind of cranking up and before you know it you've spent seven grand on a re-roof that you hadn't accounted for in your initial figures yeah so i'd say that was the, the kind of the biggest the biggest most expensive learning point and it was at that point that we sat down and said, look, we can either keep making these mistakes ourselves and spending seven grand a time on a mistake we didn't know about, or we can spend a bit of money on using someone else's expertise. And that's when we got on board with a mentor that we could talk through and say, right, we've seen this. We think it might be an issue. What, what do you know about it? And I'd say probably for Fratton Road, and again, things like the lease information that we've just shared, all of that kind of knowledge you, you can gain quite quickly from an expert that knows what they're talking about. That's right. So sometimes it depends on the circumstances, but it, it pays to pay for other people's knowledge and then leverage that knowledge into your own projects. Yeah. And if, um, so like Fratton Road, this the flat that we've got now. So we walked into that and immediately felt that the, the floor was springy. We knew that that meant from the first one that the joists were probably rotten. So we were able to put that into our calculations um, and negotiate it down on, on behalf of it. So you then end up, yeah, you just, you know what the eventualities are. There's still some additional work that we've had to put into place in, in Fratton Road. Um, but that was because the lady was an absolute hoarder before and filled the house with rubbish. And I didn't need, I didn't move enough of it around on the viewings to find some of the uh, the issues. But again, now I know next time I've got to move some people's property to genuinely get a good look at all the walls. Um, again, from, from Carnarvon Road, we knew that we needed to build in a contingency. So within our numbers, we had a 10% contingency for Fratton Road. So it's not going to break the bank. Yes, and that would, be, that would be the biggest learn I'd, I'd give to anybody is just genuinely make sure your numbers are as tight as they can do. But also, no, you're never going to find everything. So do have a contingency and don't try and chase the numbers because you're excited or pissed off that you haven't got a deal because it's easy to massage your numbers to make them look like they're going to work. And then when you're spending your cash on it, realise that actually you made them work and now it's going to cost you more than you thought. Yeah, and um, another one as well. Don't get emotionally attached to a deal because you spent time on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, be prepared to walk away. Mm, yeah. Save you thousands. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one thing what I do when I go viewings, <clears throat> which I know you said you were going to do a lot more of in the future, is like if you can, and it um, is move the furniture, yeah. move as much for, because you know I've been in properties before where things have been hidden behind sofas holes in walls and 
all sorts of stuff and you're like wow tell me about this did you <laughs> yeah exactly and once it's yours it's yours <laughs> by everywhere that's it yeah and it, it's just so you can it doesn't matter if there's a hole in the wall it's just so you can add it to your calculations that what needs to be done and yeah. you can add in that contingency and potentially it will help you to barter on a price as well yeah absolutely i mean this so this one that we've got going through at the moment when we were looking around i hadn't twigged that the lino in the bedroom had been folded up over the front of the um, skirting boards mm. so it was only when all the bedroom furniture was out and we were kind of doing the rip out stage and we realized that pulled it back and all of the skirting boards were completely rotten behind it and that then was like oh, okay the walls are dry but the skirting board is completely rotten we've got an issue that we now need to find which was um penetrating uh, penetrating water from the courtyard coming through the rendering so we're resolving that now and i now know to make sure that i'm looking at the skirting boards really closely and anything else that we buy <laughs> yeah yeah, you yeah. Just, you're just learning all the time yeah absolutely yeah spot on man. so I'll, I'll, you have kind of already given advice for others but have you got any like key tips for uh beginners that want to get into property investing uh yeah i think take on as much information as you can do but don't get that what do they call it analysis paralysis so there is a certain point at which you just have to trust that your numbers are right and if they're not you're going to learn from it um don't be afraid to seek out help and advice people are surprisingly helpful in the property industry uh not from all areas whether that's solicitors builders whatever but don't take the piss with it and don't be afraid of paying for someone's time to understand something properly so i think that's important um and then I think the other thing is just make sure you've got a really good review process in it. So we like to have, um, well, we like to think we've got quite a good growth mindset. So looking forwards and, and looking at where we're going, but also you've got to stop and take the time to review what went well. So what went well, what do we want to do differently in future? What are we going to keep the same? And then as long as you're doing that, the little tweaks will allow you to keep evolving and making your product, your processes, everything will get better. Um, no one's going to be perfect first time. So as, as long as you're doing that, I, I think you'll be on to a winner. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Couldn't agree more with those tips and I'm sure they will add value to anyone uh, listening to this. Yeah, spot on. Uh, so this brings us to one of my favourite part of the shows is uh, the random question time. Uh, and uh, Alan is a long-time listener, so <laughs> he has been listening very closely to the uh, to questions. <laughs> so I think I need to change him up. Um, Right, so question one is, what is your favourite ice cream flavour? Oh, brutal. Didn't see there that one coming, did you? you telling me that I needed to be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> um, favourite ice cream flavour? Okay, I think it's it's got to be uh, Neapolitan, which I haven't actually, think about it, I haven't had it for ages. But oddly, I would then dig out the strawberry bit because I wouldn't want the strawberry. <laughs> yeah, I'm digging out the chocolate for me because I, oh, I love this. What is that? You can't, can't do that. I don't know. I just find it like a odd chocolate taste. It's, it's not real. <laughs> I, was gonna, I think the same about the strawberry. It's definitely a fake strawberry flavour. Yeah, because I like that fake strawberry flavour, kind of like a banana, McDonald's banana milkshake. It's fake banana, but I love fake banana. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. So yeah, Neapolitan. But I'm now going to have to find some because I haven't had that for ages. Yeah, oh, you're making me hungry for, my, for ice cream now. I've got Cornettos in the freezer. I must have one. <laughs> right, okay. We'll we'll, uh, we'll go back to the uh, original questions. I just wanted to throw you, throw you up. All right, favourite movie? Go. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Got to be done. It's got everything, hasn't it? It's got excitement. It's got the money in it. It's got fast cars, girls. What's not to life? I think yeah, yeah. my go-to relaxation is just on 
it's good. It's good with the lads. It's good by yourself. It's uh, yeah. It's it's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's it's one of the best movies ever ever made. And I actually watched that on the weekend. And on top of that, um, I think over sixty percent of my guests, maybe more, have said that movie. Oh, have they? Yeah, oh, see, I haven't listened to, listened to enough, have I? Yeah, yeah, you need to listen to <laughs> It's that, it's Wolf of Wall Street that comes out, and Shawshank Redemption, that's like everyone's favourite movie. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah no, no, I think I would have, my, my next two would have, been, would have been War Dogs Yeah. and uh, The Big Short. Big Short, oh yeah, love that movie. Yeah, Yeah. quality. All right, so question two then, your, or question three now, is your favourite destination? Yeah, so I had to think about this one because uh, so we've got uh, a little boy Dexter who's six. So we actually haven't been on some like really meaty holidays for a, for quite a few years. But before Dexter came along, Lisa and I did manage to do a bit of travelling, and Iceland comes in at probably our number one. It um, I know you've done a lot of travelling, Shane, and you're far more adventurous than we ever have. We ever <laughs> were, but it was probably the main holiday where we genuinely went a bit off piste. We hired a car, we drove into the mountains, we went to the hot springs and we did it all ourselves rather than just kind of mm. doing a tour. Uh, and it was, everywhere was stunning. Everyone was really nice. And it was just so different from anything we'd ever experienced. I'd recommend it to anyone. Yeah, it's next level Iceland, isn't it? And um, just the, the small town of Reykjavik is uh, is awesome. And everyone's so friendly, aren't they? Yeah, bloody expensive, but um, oh yeah, my it's God. an incredible place. Yeah, incredible I think place. it was like uh, around nine, ten pound Eight, eight to ten pound for a, a pint, I believe, when I was yeah. there. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, fantastic country area. Yeah, and I, the, the fact that you you went out um, in a car yourself is uh, is I think it's I I I actually haven't done that. Um, I've just been kind of local and went on tours. But the fact that you've done that yourself is is awesome. You went out. Yeah, yourself. it was amazing. We did it. So we self drove the Golden Circle, which was great. And then when we were out there, they were having one of their worst winters ever and um, we needed to get home. So they closed that main road into Reykjavik from the airport and they opened it for about 20 minutes, at which point we jumped in the car and, and drove along. And it was it was crazy. I couldn't, you could not see literally in front of your face. There was wow. lorries that had blown over. There was massive pileups. And we, we did eventually get to the airport and the guy looked at us and just couldn't work out how we got there. And both my <laughs> wife and I are literally shaking, really pale. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a great, great trip. Yeah, awesome. But yeah, great, great answer. Great country. All right. Uh, question three then. Uh, what grinds your gears? Yeah, so this one, uh, do you know what? I'm quite easygoing. I'm quite, uh, not a lot does. But when people say that they don't have time for something, and they talk about wanting to make change, like whether it's getting fit, eating healthily, uh, building a business, and they say, oh, but I haven't got time to do that. And then you actually talk to them, and they're quite happy to spend four hours a night watching Wolf of Wall Street or playing on the PS4 or what have you. And I just think, actually, if you really wanted this, you would find the time. Um, yes, yeah, so that really, really irritates me. Oh, how do you do this? How do you do all this stuff? You must must be really planned. Well, I just don't sit in front of the TV for five hours a night and I spend my time a bit differently. And yeah. actually, I'm working six days a week to make sure we can do it now rather than having to work six days a week when I'm 50, 60, 70. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm, I'm sure you've had this many a times when you chat to people. Like, you could literally hand them a blueprint. You could give them, you know, rich dad, poor dad. You could give them all these property books and you could hand them it on a, almost on a silver spoon, the blueprints. And then you go, right, there you go. And they're like, oh, I haven't got time to read that book. And then yeah. you're, you're right. And it's just like, they're just going to stay that way. 
Yeah. The whole, you yeah. know, or they might wake up when they're 50, then decide to do it. But by then, not exactly too late, but they don't have as much time. No, agreed. And you can't force someone to be as hungry as you are. And I think yeah. that's one of the things that I've learned is I'm quite passionate about what we do and why we do it. And if that doesn't rub off on someone, then you can't force it down their neck. And you just, if they say they haven't got time or they don't want to read that book that you recommended, then that's fine. That's not, that's not, not the deal. You're right, mate. And you know what? A pet hate of mine um, it is when, like, you you do, you know you don't do that. You don't force it down their throat. But you know when they say like they but they're complainers about their own life, but they won't change it. That's what I know. Yeah, yeah. hmm. But that comes down to that. Um, your network is your net worth, isn't it? And, and obviously, little groups like we're in, where you can bounce around the excitement and share the knowledge and share the readings and the watchings. Hmm. I think that's so important to find a group of people that you can genuinely gel with and expand your world. Because if you don't. A, it can be quite lonely, and B, I think it is difficult to keep that momentum going. It is, and it's about having that uh, big thing in our group is circle of five, isn't it? And being around yes. positive people, people that uh, you know, you strive off each other, you um, give each other advice, um, boost each other's morales. Um, yeah, it's definitely recommend that to anybody. Um, which is kind of going a bit bit off topic, but yeah, we'll quickly dive into it. Is you know being around people if anyone's bringing you down or or is negative in your space uh friends that are just bring you down just just cut them off or if you don't want to cut them off just spend a little less time with them and spend slightly more time with people that want you to do well in life and you'll get yeah. further agree completely agree with that i think it's, it's hard isn't it if you've only got a small circle of friends and you want to maintain that that you definitely you if you want to make real change in your life and your business then you've got to find the people that are going to support and motivate you and wean yourself off of the other negative, uh, negative behaviour. Absolutely, yeah. we don't. I have to say, we don't. I'm quite ruthless with it. If if someone's someone's negative or not adding value to our life, then generally they're not in it for very long. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And yeah, you you know what? People see that as ruthless, but unfortunately for them, it's necessary. And that sounds brutal as, but it's necessary for you know. Yeah. I recommend that for anybody. And just to quickly as well. Um, touching on actually uh, your health as well, Alan, because I, I have seen you've done tremendously well in your fitness as well. And I know like they, that saying like health is wealth. And like, just to say, you've got the time to concentrate on property, your job and uh, your gym and you've fitted that in as well. And uh, I think that's amazing. And just if you want to just quickly talk about that as well, how you've incorporated fitness into your life as well. Yeah, I think... Uh... I think one of the things is you do genuinely need to know like what your what what how many hours you have in a week and how much do you want to contribute to doing stuff. And it is okay if you want to plan in a couple of hours to watch TV and what have you, but you're not going to do all the other things if you're going to do that every day. So I'm um, yeah I'm really quite regimented that I now uh, now plan my week to the nth degree. Uh, I, I have quite a long commute, so I have an hour's commute to work. So I get up at 5.30, get ready in the, on the road by 6, into work generally for 7am. Uh, working in retail, I do some some other shifts as well. But then I do know that when I get home at 5, 6pm, by the time we've had dinner, I've got still four or five hours in the evening. So it's, it's making sure that we know what's going on. My wife and I have shared calendars. So one of the frustrations we had was one of us rocking up and not knowing the other one was going to do something. So we now make sure that we both kind of know what we're doing. We plan our whole week ahead on a Sunday. Um, and fitness was just, to be honest, fitness was one of those things that I was always saying I haven't got time for. And the reality was when I looked at it, I just needed an hour. Um, and I read a good book uh, by James Clear, Atomic Habits. 
which is a, is about removing the friction to complete things. And, and it starts off, it just basically says, well, if you only can afford five minutes, then just afford five minutes, but at least do that, rather than trying to do, I don't know, seven days worth of an hour of exercise. And starting off with that, I have to say, it really helped. So just once a week was great. And actually, I enjoyed it. Let's do twice a week. Oh, we're seeing a bit more. Now I need some more structure. Okay, well, let's, uh, let, let's get a, a proper plan in place. But yeah, I've lost, I've lost two stones since October. Uh, feeling good. I'm missing the gym being open, but uh, yeah, I feel much better for it and mentally feel better for, for being active. Yeah, you know, proof in the pudding, mate, you are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Without, but it's without, not, I mean, without eating the pudding. <laughs> well, to be honest, the biggest thing was cutting out the beers. I realised yeah, in lockdown yeah. one that all I was doing was drinking beer and coffee. And I thought that's probably where the extra two stones come from. Yeah. So, yeah, I set myself a new rule that basically I wouldn't drink unless I was drinking socially with somebody else, uh, yeah. which during lockdown is easy, isn't it, when you drink when you're not with anyone? <laughs> That's right, yeah. And um, just a, a quick one on that that calendar share because I think that will help a lot of people. What app is that? Is that just Google Calendar Share or is that a separate app? Yeah, Google Calendar, and then we've got something called A Calendar, which is just another app. Um, I'm sure that Google Calendar now has the functionality built in to share across multiple devices, but at the time, a few years ago, it didn't. Um, but we also have a physical diary as well. That Well, I have a physical diary that I'll write other things in and then kind of overlap it because I, I like to write things down as well as just having it on a digital device. Awesome. Yeah, mate. We know we could talk for hours, but unfortunately we've uh, we've reached the end of the show. And um, yeah, Alan, I really appreciate you coming on. You've shared some absolute value and uh, it's great to, to finally get to understand a bit about your, your journey so far and what you've done. And yeah, I wish you all the success in the future. And I'll get you back in another year or so to see where you are. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks, Shane. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's no, been really good to come on. It'd be really good. Um, if anyone wants to follow what we're doing, then uh, we've got the Instagram page, as I've said. So we're at Peel Homes, P-E-A-L Homes. And uh, yeah, join along and have a chat if you want to. We're good to hear from anyone. Yeah, that's it. Reach out to Alan anytime. And uh, yeah, he's very responsive. So yeah, he'll, um, any questions you got, yeah, reach out. Awesome, mate. Um, cool. So that's been the Aura Talk Show. We are back again next week with another amazing guest. And that's it for me. Ciao for now. Bye.